So Money Episode 999, How to Go to Graduate School and College, for that matter, for free with guest Danielle Forbes. You're listening to So Money with award-winning money guru, Farnoosh Torabi. Each day, get a 30-minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh herself. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. Seeking profound ways to live a richer, happier life? Welcome to So Money. If you are someone that is new to the job market and you're about to start at a new company, I would definitely ask before I accept the position, what is tuition reimbursement? Like, what does your company offer? There's some places that actually offer some great reimbursement. A good chunk of you guys do want to go to grad school or have gone to grad school. Maybe you're a parent with a child who's on his way, on her way to college or grad school. So dedicating today's episode to how to afford education affordably, maybe even for free. Welcome to So Money, everybody. I'm your host, Farnoosh Tarabi. I have a special guest today, a listener actually, who reached out and suggested that we focus on this topic. And I said, absolutely, let's do it. Danielle Forbes has a PhD in education policy, organization, and leadership from the University of Illinois at Urbana-Champaign. From that school, she also holds a master's in education policy studies. She also has two bachelor's degrees in English and African-American studies from Penn State. We share an alma mater. So clearly she's passionate about education. She's even more passionate about helping others get to school affordably, within their means, possibly even free. Danielle was able to attend graduate school for free. So she's going to talk not just from her personal experience, but also her research, all the different ways that you can bank on going to college or graduate school for much less than the sticker price. Here's Danielle Forbes. Danielle Forbes, welcome to So Money. Thank you for having me, Farnoosh. I'm a lucky podcast host, let me tell you. I uh, have the privilege of having some really smart listeners who come to me with ideas. And Danielle, that's how you and I connected. You're a listener on the show and you direct messaged me on Instagram with a suggestion, which is so like spot on. I'm really excited to dive into how to go to grad school basically for free. (laughs) That's definitely something people are going to click on. You know, I really appreciate that, you know, first of all, that you have so much content to share, but that you also reached out. And I I think this is the beginning of of a trend here where, as you all know, I try to stay really engaged with listeners bringing you on the Friday Ask for a New Show as co-hosts, appreciating your reviews on iTunes and giving you guys 15-minute money reviews when um, picking someone at random every week. But if you have ideas for me and you would like to share the mic and talk about these ideas, whether you've been through debt or you have some really important advice to share because you have the experience, let me know because I do believe that we're all experts. Um, It's just a matter of kind of identifying that expertise and bringing it to life. We've all got money stories and through that is ex- comes expertise. So anyway, Danielle, I again, really appreciate you. And before we get deep into your amazing tips for us, anyone listening want to go to grad school? Yeah, can't stop listening. This has to, you have to stay through the end. This is going to change your life. Tell me a little bit about how you got interested in this topic. I know you personally are a big lover of academia. You have many degrees. So tell me about 
your backstory and how you got to this point where you became so passionate about helping people with education. Okay. So like you furnished, I'm also a Penn State alum. So while I was at Penn State, um, I was interested in applying to graduate school. So I applied for uh, PhD programs. So maybe I should uh, rewind a little bit. I actually did this program called the Summer Research Opportunity Program and uh, the McNair Scholars Program. And basically the point of those programs is to get undergraduate students to conduct research during the summer and then to apply to PhD programs or graduate level programs and pursue a master's degree. When I was doing my search and I was looking for programs to attend, I ended up going to uh, the University of Illinois at Urbana-Champaign because they gave me a fellowship. So for those of you who don't know, a fellowship is basically when the school pays your tuition and they also give you a stipend monthly to live off of. I had gotten into NYU and Columbia's master's program, but that year the programs, they were about maybe about 40,000. That was only for one year. And when you think about multiple years, if you were going to do a master's program, that's 40,000 times two, right? So that's about 80,000 for two years. And since I wanted to do an education degree, I didn't feel like the rate of um, return would actually be worth it to pay for a degree that's 80000 So I decided to go to Illinois. And I also feel like Illinois had a lot to offer. Um, Illinois was going to give me a master's and my PhD. So I actually ended up going there because they gave me an entire package to fund it. What many people, I would say, do not know is that PhD programs are actually mostly fully funded if you decide to go full time. I would tell people that if you get into a PhD program and they don't fully fund you, I wouldn't go because most of these programs are about 50, 60,000 a year. And if you're going to program and it's five years, that's about what, 60,000 times five, that's about 300. But before you get to the PhD, there's the master's and a lot more people pursue a master's, I think, than a PhD. Some people intend to go for the PhD, then the master's kind of burns them out. And that's where a lot of the money does get spent. And so before we get into your advice... Curious, how would you answer someone's question about, is it worth it to get my master's, financially worth it? Um, I'm, I find myself more often than not telling people not to do it, unless, of course, it's a requirement. And even then, I'm like, try to you know get a scholarship or go somewhere cheap. I think it's fine if you want to pursue your MBA, but I also feel like there's certain questions you should find out. Like You should also attend admissions seminars. Um, many schools have open houses. So something I would do is actually attend. And if there's an admissions officer there or an advisor, I would actually ask questions like, what type of jobs um, do your students receive after they graduate? Like, what type of companies do they work for? And what is the amount of scholarships that you guys give? Like, is it 25%, 50%, 75%, 100%? I think those are some great questions to ask because when you can find out that type of information, you can weigh which school you'd like to go to and which school gives you the most money. Yeah. Even being in the program, I think if your program has like internships, if you go full time, I think that's a great opportunity or a great thing to take advantage of. Um, if you're going part time, I would definitely ask them what type of money do you offer for part time students and what type do you offer for full time students? Because that can be two different packages. Now, going back to your personal story, um, tell us what you're doing now and are you coaching people specifically on this or this is just a passion? So this is just a passion of mine. I've actually had people ask me, um, I actually had friends and people just ask me in general, like um, help with like the whole essay process and just applying to graduate school in general. Like how do they find money to apply? But also um, what do they have to put together in order to apply to a graduate program? Like it's not just essays. Like I tell them, hey, you should send an email to maybe the department head. Um, Many people don't know they have something called like a tuition waiver. And a tuition waiver is basically 
uh, where your tuition is waived for like the entire semester. And usually departments have about two to three of them. But as someone applying, you might not know that. And you don't have to give back any service to the university. Um, It's just a tuition waiver and it basically waives your tuition and you just go to class. Wait a minute. So what do you have to show to get that? Do you have to show hardship? Do you have to show uh, anything like that? No? No, it's usually you can ask a professor, you can ask a department chair. Usually the person that's the head of the department can tell you how many tuition waivers they have. I mean, I've also spoken to um, current graduate students um, that are in different schools around the country. And some of them have told me their departments might have like two to three. Do they have to give them out? Like if it's, is it something where they will award it if nobody has asked for one? No. Usually if you ask for it, they might say, hey, I have two but they might not have made a decision of who they're going to give it to. So usually in about February, um, let's say you apply, usually the deadline's by December or February, maybe for like an MBA or a master's program. Sometimes they don't know who they're going to give the money to until maybe about like, maybe I would say March, March or April. They usually tell you if you get a fellowship or assistantship or a partial scholarship, but tuition waivers, those aren't in packages. Usually you can just ask people or the department chair or someone could just decide, hey, let's give this person a tuition waiver. So, so far, what I'm learning from you is fellowship, which is something that you took advantage of. Can you give us a little bit more instruction around that? Like, where do we find these applications? Do we have to be super smart? (laughs) A lot of us just already like disqualify ourselves from free money because we're like, well, I don't get straight A's. I don't have anything specifically unique about me. Like, I don't, I probably won't get the free money. Okay. There's a lot of money out there. I feel like just a lot of people don't apply. So usually whenever you apply for a program, everyone that applies is always in the pool for any type of scholarship. Um, it doesn't matter. Um, usually 3.0s are good, but let's say you're someone who's has who just been working maybe the past five years since you left undergrad, and then you decide to um, apply for a master's program. Um, more than likely, everyone is in the pool. So I wouldn't worry necessarily what my GPA was in undergrad. I would think about like, what am I doing now? A lot of you might be doing like outside activities, you're part of different organizations, or maybe you're like volunteering. Those are all great things to add to your admissions, to your um, package. Some great places I would say to look for some of these scholarships are definitely FastWeb. Scholarly, Scholarly is an app. And basically you just put in information about yourself, type of degree program you're looking for. Sometimes they might ask you certain specifics, like have you volunteered, upload a resume. I also like um, GoGrad. And surprisingly, Sally Mae actually has a search engine and they actually have their own scholarship where they, I believe they give away about $20,000. You can apply. I guess a certain amount of people they'll give $20,000 to. You know, I know a lot of people who have done this for undergrad and have been successful where, you know, they just, you, you just do a couple of these and then basically the all the applications are very similar in terms of what they're asking you for. So you spend time on the first couple and then after that, it's a lot of copy paste. So Everyone should do it. All right. So fellowships, uh, we've also now covered talking to the school and asking about, you know, tuition waivers. I didn't know that. Attending open houses and talking to um, everybody there, including current grad students about some of the things maybe they have taken advantage of. What is it like to go to school here? Do you enjoy being here? Um, Have you had any internships? Do you know anyone um, that has had any job offers since you've been here? Or have you have any job offers if they're like in their second year about to graduate? And uh, some people think like when it comes to things like an MBA that 
if you are going to pay the big bucks, you are better off going to like the top five schools or the top 10 schools that have the best track record as far as placement, but also the alumni network, which is often where the pot of gold really is, you know, because I know so many friends who might've gone to Harvard and it, it was you know, 30, 20 years later, tapping the alumni network, getting people to invest in their startup just because they want to support a fellow Harvard graduate. My parents always believe that, you know, like if you're going to spend the big bucks on school and I mean, to an extent, you don't want to go like half a million in debt. Uh, but if you are going to do a lot of money, then make sure that it's got a really strong track record as far as getting you out there immediately earning money and then, you know, down the road also making a lot. Do you feel the same way? I will say this. I can see it from um, both sides, but I also think you have to remember not everyone can go to Harvard. Not everyone can go to Yale. I definitely think there's a lot of top programs. I feel like as long as you go to maybe the top 100, I would even narrow it down to maybe the top 60. But I also feel like it's also who you know and who you network with. Mm-hmm. You can still have someone that has the Harvard degree that might, let's say they have an MBA, they might work at a top firm, but, or depending if they want to work on Wall Street, let's use that example. But then let's say someone goes to a school that might be, I don't know, number 60 on the list, but because one of the professors that they had in class, one of their friends might work there, hey, I'm looking for this person with these type of skills. That person that goes to the school that's number 60 is at the same place that the person that attended Harvard. So I also think networking is important also. Yeah, if you're a go-getter, you'll be successful anywhere. Is my is my thought, you know, I not to go off track a little bit, but sometimes I feel like if you're a smart and capable student, you might want to just go to the public school, save money because you're going to be successful no matter what. <laughs> I, I definitely agree. I definitely- maybe that's a debate, but uh this is good. I'm really appreciating this. Okay, so going through you gave me an exhaustive list before we started recording. In terms of tuition reimbursement, this is something that we have haven't really talked about. And do you see companies doing this more and more where like, so walk us through this a little bit and paint this picture and and what, how does this really work for graduate students? So let's say you're working in a company or there maybe a year or two, right? Um, The best thing to do is to actually speak with HR and ask them what type of tuition reimbursement that they're offering. If you are someone that is new to the job market and you're about to start at a new company, I would definitely ask before I accept the position, uh, what is tuition reimbursement? Like, what does your company offer? There's actually some places that actually offer some great um, reimbursement. I have AT&T, BP, they actually offer 90% um, with tuition fees and books. I know Bank of America offers up to about 5,200, but it has to be job-related courses. And I know Verizon offers about up to $8,000 in tuition reimbursement, as long as it's related to business. I would say there are some certain speculations that everyone should ask. Um, Does it include textbooks and fees? Also for tuition reimbursement, is your company only offering a certain percentage? Like, are you only paying for 50% um, of the tuition, 25%? And there's one other thing. When your company says that they're going to reimburse you your tuition, Make sure you ask, are they giving you a separate check or are they going to add it to your current pay? Let's say your tuition for the semester is $2,000. They might tell you that you have to pay the $2,000 first and then they will um, reimburse you the $2,000, but they might add it in your pay. So technically you're not making back the $2,000 because you're getting taxed on the $2,000 that they're adding to your pay. So make sure you ask those type of questions. Um, Because one of my friends, they had an MBA paid for, but then 
that was a situation where they had to pay first and then the company reimbursed them, but they added it in their pay and then um, they ended up being taxed on it. So it's very important to understand what type of tuition reimbursement is being offered. What is the risk there? I guess the risk is that you end up not wanting to work for the company and you have to pay it all back right away, right? Right. But some companies have stipulations. So like, let's say if they're going to pay for you for two years to go do your MBA, they might tell you that you have to give us back two years or you might have to give us back four years. It all depends on on what the company's role is. But I know like, let's say they um, might tell you, hey, you're going to be laid off. I know you're not responsible for that amount. But if you decide to leave the company, you'll be responsible for the entire amount. Are universities and colleges recognizing that they need to do something financially attractive to get the best candidates? Because if you are really qualified and you have your pick of the schools, um, I would I would expect that like financials would make a difference. You know, with college, I feel like something has to happen. People can't continue to pay at the rate of what, you know, what's three times the rate of inflation every year it's going up. And the job market, the salaries have been stagnant, entry level jobs. So something has to happen. It's, it can't just you can't just expect all, all these prospective students to just figure it out, right? And, and like you'd be really strategic. And not everybody can do that. Otherwise, the colleges wouldn't make any money. <laughs> so, what do you see as far as some of the maybe changes that graduate programs are making? Maybe they're opening up their coffers a little bit more to get the all the talent that they that they want to stay competitive and things like that. All these institutions is definitely a business. Um, I know they make most of their money from their master's programs because mostly those are the programs that aren't funded. But I would say that the best thing to do is to compete if you have an offer. So like, let's say you have two offers. Let's say you had an offer from University of Michigan. And then let's say you had another offer from UPenn, right? Let's say each program is about the same. Let's say their MBA program for one year. This is just an, an example. Let's say it was 40000 for each program. Um, let's say the University of Michigan uh, gave you a package of maybe about 30000 So then you'd have 10000 to pay out of pocket. But then UPenn decides, oh, we're only going to give you 20000 And we're going to give we only going to give you 20,000 because this is based on prestige. Like everyone wants to go to UPenn. I would say go to the University of Michigan because Michigan's giving you uh, the most money. So, I mean, you and I went to Penn State. We know the value of a public school education. And was that personal question when you decided on college, were you always attracted to sort of the state schools for I mean, there's so many benefits I think to going to um, state schools, financials is definitely a draw. Um, but h- how much was that a factor in your personal choices as far as where you went? I applied to a lot of state schools for undergrad and it was for that specific reason. I definitely looked at how much money I'd have to pay, but I also looked at what am I getting like out of the program? What am I getting for the program that I decided to do? Like, so when I first went to undergrad, I wanted to go to law school. And then when I was at, um, Penn State, I kind of like did these research programs and that's how I decided I wanted to uh, pursue graduate study. But I would say if I'm an undergrad, I think it doesn't really matter where you go, but I wouldn't go to the school that's telling me, oh, this school is a private school that's 50000 a year. Because the the amount of debt that you're going to accumulate in four years, that's a lot of money. So I wouldn't, so I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't do that. But I mean, like you said, there's nothing wrong with a state education, um, just going to Penn State, I got a lot of doors opened for me. So, you know, we were part of the whole Big Ten 
And now it's Big 12 because we added Rutgers and I believe uh, University of Nebraska. Because I went to Penn State, I was able to apply to other Big 10 schools at the time. And they would waive your application fee because you're in the Big 10 like alliance. And there's also summer research programs. Um, is it okay if I talk about this for undergrad students? It's like, let's say you might you might be interested in the sciences, science, technology, engineering, or math. And I just have a few here. Like I did the summer research opportunity program, but also all the Big Ten schools, um, Michigan, Penn State, um, they all have something called the Big Academic Alliance. And that's like a summer program for undergraduate students. And it's for like juniors, um, sophomores and juniors, as long as you have one semester left in undergrad. And these programs basically pay for you to come to the university for a summer, maybe about six to eight weeks. And you work with a professor. It can be in any field. It could be humanities, STEM, business, anything. And basically they pay you. A lot of them pay between, you know, 3000 to maybe $8,000. And they also give you free housing. And it's a great opportunity to figure out what you might want to do with your life if you're not sure. If you're an undergrad, you're not sure what you want to do after graduate school. And a lot of these programs, let's say you do a summer program at another school, like if you went to Penn State and then like me, I did a summer program at Michigan, University of Michigan. Um, a lot of these programs will allow you to apply to different graduate programs and waive your application fee. Speaking about business, Columbia, uh, their business school, they actually have a summer research internship program uh, for students where they can actually come for the summer. You can come from any university. And UC Berkeley has a program. And UC San Francisco, they have a program for undergrads and um, health sciences. These are, these are just a few. But if you go online and you Google um, summer research programs, a lot of programs will show up. Something my parents, my par- my dad has a PhD, so he knows all about school. <laughs> I mean, a little dated now, but he was all about state school undergrad because he said, you know, I feel like you, Farnoosh, you, you're going to want to continue your, your education. And also, like, I didn't really have a choice because I'm Iranian. Like, that's what you do. You just keep going to school. I didn't want to be a doctor or a lawyer. So I was like, I'll get my master's in journalism. And they were like, okay. He was like, look, whatever you want to do after college, assuming it's going to involve a higher ed situation, master's, PhD, don't waste all your money on undergrad right now because it won't matter. Where you get your last degree is what matters most as far as what you want to do next. Um, that was his philosophy. And by the way, Penn State, all these Big Ten schools have huge research departments. All these schools bring in money. Even my current day job that I'm at, um, a lot of people that I work with, they've gone to Columbia. They've gone to all these top schools. So um, even though I went to University of Illinois, I still ended up at the same place as people that have gone to the top schools. So I agree with you. As long as you're someone who's really about, you know, networking and talking to the right people, if you go to a summer program and you and you work with a, a professor and they know people, you can end up in these graduate programs. So much of who you know. Yeah, I remember when I was applying for graduate schools, I applied to three schools, Northwestern, NYU, Columbia. And for journalism, you don't really have a, a lot of... Um, programs to choose from. And I really wanted to stay close to the East Coast. So I didn't go any further than Chicago. And I got into all the programs. NYU actually offered me money. And it was because I had been networking with their department head since the summer before. He was a Penn Stater. And yeah. And so, I mean, but the bottom line was it was still going to be more money to go to NYU, even with the scholarship, the little bit of scholarship, because it was a longer program. It was a, almost a two-year program versus Columbia was 10 months. Right. And, you know, it, so it was it was actually, even though the tuition per year was higher at Columbia, 
I was just going there for 10 months or a year. So not two, as opposed to NYU was uh, at the end of all said and done was going to be a longer investment. And also I just, it was always my dream to go to Columbia. I wanted to go there for undergrad, didn't get in. And even if I had, I'm not sure we would have been able to afford it. So it all worked out, but definitely there were a lot of conversations behind the scenes about how to make this really quote unquote worth it. I feel like I was channeling you even before I knew you um, at that moment. (laughs) So much information you share with us. I hope we're helping change lives here. I think we are. Quick, you know, nosy personal finance question for you, Danielle. What are you working on personally on your finances this year? What's a big goal for you and how are you getting there, you think? So one of my goals is I would like to buy a house. I'm, I'm hoping I can buy a house on maybe the end of this year. The way I go about it is I actually just save a certain amount a month. So I, I think one of the best things is always to budget. Budget how much you're going to have for the year or monthly. Well, I'll say monthly budget every month. Um, know what's going in and know what's coming out of your account and just um, decide what goal you need to hit for that year. So like this year, I know I want to save for a down payment. So each month I make sure I allocate a certain amount um, going from my check into my savings account every time I get paid to make sure, you know, you don't touch that money. And that's what I do. And that's basically how I'm going to hit one of my money goals this year. Sounds very straightforward, but did you have any emotional issues with it? Like, you know, did you have to cut back on stuff? Was it a little bit of a hard adjustment at first? For me, I I like to travel. So something I've cut back on is probably traveling. I realized if I want to do like a lot of international trips, I would have to cut that down to maybe one or none. So this year I'm not doing any international trips, but I went on a few last year. That's one of the things that I actually cut, but I wouldn't say to drastically take something away. So for me, I decided instead of doing international trips here, I'll do like small trips, like local domestic trips, like in the United States. Still doing what you love, but local. (laughs) Danielle Forbes, thank you so much for joining us. This has been a little bit of a different episode where we really dived into a topic that I think is near and dear to many listeners and even parents listening who are helping their kids navigate uh, academia and the cost of school. This has been very valuable. So we thank you and wishing you all the success with your home purchase this year. Thank you so much, partners. Thanks for having me on the show. I appreciate it. Have a great day. Thanks so much to Danielle for joining us. Those scholarship websites that she mentioned, by the way, again, are FastWeb, Scholarly, Sally Mae. If you missed any of this episode, head over to somoneypodcast.com where you can get the transcript. And by the way, what's Wednesday? Our 1000th episode. Be sure to check that one out. In the meantime, I hope your day is so money.